All right, Jamie, we're here for Python part one on Mr. Robot. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What do you think of them splitting these two Pythons apart? I think it's fine. You know, this this season has been just a real um, <laughs> journey for me. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm good with it. Whatever happens, I'm just kind of, you know, going along with whatever they decide to throw at us. The only thing I don't like about it is not the way that Sam Esmail wanted it, intended it. He put them together. They were supposed to be played sequentially, and now it's not done that way. Oh, really? Why is that? I like, I don't know, I guess the network wants to make more money or get more in popularity or stretch it out and get more commercial. I don't know. Who knows? Hmm. But uh, I like when artists get their stuff displayed the way they intend it. Yeah, now that you say that, that's really disappointing. I didn't realize that. And, um, yeah, it's disappointing to me that Sam Mail didn't get to present it the way he wanted to because, I mean, you could tell how much care he took with this season. Yeah, and plus this is a total setup episode, and it looks like the payoff is going to be right after it in, in 12, and who knows what the time in between is going to do to our memory. And I mean, I, I, even our podcast, we I watched this show a long time ago, and the, so the podcast, we do it several days after it's not as good as doing it like right after. Get your first impressions fresh, fresh on the tape, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So anyway, Jamie, mind awake, body asleep. You know, a couple things about from what I've, besides that, that they were supposed to be together. Um, there's supposed to also be another post-credit scene at the end of episode 12, where after all the credits run, we see a, a last final scene of the series for the season. Huh. Like last year when we saw Price talking to uh, White Rose. Right. So that's supposed to happen. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, just impressions, general impressions. I don't like Angela dressed as an executive in those overly tall shoes. I don't like that ponytail she's had all season. She could have the ponytail. She'd just be a much cooler coder chick, like kind of a normal casual chick, not an executive. Okay. I just don't yeah, like I don't that know. look. I, I don't like the look either, but for me, the look is a lot of the look is about the ponytail. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, someone asked, there's a technical writer that's a writer for the show named Cora Donna. And they asked him about a bunch of stuff. And, and one thing he didn't give the answer to was, are those Grace Gummer's tattoos, are they her real tattoos? Hmm. Have you heard anything about that? I have not heard anything about that. I don't think he answered it. I don't think I think he kind of shuffled around it. He didn't really answer it. Well, I will tell you, I would not be super surprised if they were hers, but I don't think they are hers. Um, just simply because, well, on the on the pro side, that they would be hers is because her dad is an artist, you know, and her mom is an actress, and so I guess she, you know, she might be one of those folks. Um, you know, who doesn't really mind, you know, using her body as a canvas, but on the con side, I just can't see it. She's too beautiful. <laughs> and I'm not a person who, who enjoys the idea of having a tattoo. Like I've got virgin skin, so I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm anti-tattoo for myself personally. Yeah. You can't picture Meryl Streep with a big old tramp stamp. No. She has that, that, that. Translucent Eastern European skin. It's so 
pretty that why put anything on it? That's right. It, so yeah. perfect. It's like a canvas. I agree. All right, Jamie. So who's who's alive and who's dead? We know now that Dominique is alive. She shows up in this episode. We don't know much about Darlene. And we don't know much about Cisco, except for that close-up video of him getting his head blown off. Right. <laughs> from last episode. But Darlene does mention, or Dominique does mention wanting to do the interview. So that has to be with Darlene, right? I guess. Who else would she be interviewing? Um, Cisco. Yeah, but I think Cisco's really dead. I uh, think he's super duper dead. Like, I mean, like you looked, you saw like his head explode. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be Darlene. Although it's, it's kind of weird that Darlene didn't show up. That's why I think they would have been better together. Because I bet Darlene shows up in the next one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, here's hoping. You know, here's hoping she's not dead along with Cisco. Um, <laughs> although Cisco, you know, it just seems like his his head really took a beating this you know this whole season. <laughs> he took a beating from a lot of stuff. Yeah. Crap, crap jammed in his finger and his baseball bats and everything. You're right. Yeah. All right, Jamie. So let's go start through this. Uh, Elliot gives us his thought speak. And says, Angela's right. We can't beat them, but we don't have to lose either. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Robot watches me at all times. Maybe he's the key to this. Uh, and then he talks about lucent dreams and how lucent dreams were taught to him by his friend Sam. Mm-hmm. Which Sam Esmail, his childhood friend Sam, there's got to be some kind of a reference there, right? Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. I remember my friend Sam telling me about a technique he used to induce lucid dreams so he could study in his sleep, which is like crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, that the whole, the thought of that distracted me because I know about lucid dreams. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, like doing, I, I don't know how that would even work, you know, trying to study in your sleep, but I think the purpose of sleep at least part of it is to sort of clear your mind, you know, so I just, I can't imagine sleep being very useful if you're using your mind while your body is asleep. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Your mind has to be asleep too. Yeah. So, so in the, in the show here, Elliot says it's taught to him by his middle school friend, Sam. So they asked this guy, Cora Donna, is this Sam Ismail? You know, what, is this a reference from his history with lucid dreaming? And Cordana says, no, this story is from me. He was obsessed with lucid dreaming. So he wrote this into this. Uh, He researched it and he tried it. And uh, so it's interesting that that isn't Sam Ismail. It was from actually this writer. That's pretty cool. So, um, so Elliot's plan here is to use this as his way to spy on Mr. Robot. Pretty cool yes. flip of the script here, right? Instead of a Mr. Robot spying on him, he's going to see what's going on with his buddy, Mr. Robot. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And the way it showed up later in the episode, I'd kind of forgotten that that was the reason he was using the um, the lucid dreaming technique. And so I got kind of worried about him, you know, like a little bit on, like when he when he was kind of like, when he was actually spying on Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot didn't realize he was there. I was like, oh, no, does that mean, you know, 
that Elliot's disappearing, I'd forgotten that it was on purpose. So the next scene is Joanna and her baby and the bodyguard Sutherland. And Joanna says, is this accurate of all the gifts he sent? This is the greatest gift we've ever received. And she's talking about the cell phone. Right. Or, or the message um, or the knowledge of the cell phone's <clears throat> location, I guess. But the cell phone. Right. Yeah. And, you know, what was really interesting about that scene is that I don't know if you remember last season, but, um, you know, that apartment was always like super brightly lit with like daylight, you know, like natural light. And even at night, you know, it was well lit. And that apartment has gotten darker and darker and darker this season um, throughout. And this is the darkest it's been. Can't imagine why. Joanna's always so happy, cheerful, <laughs> chipper. <laughs> right. All right. The next scene is Angela in some sort of a secured car. Is it a police car, some secured car? And we learn, we learn pretty soon that it's a red van. And uh, this this cool music by Harry Waters plays called Night Train. Mm-hmm. Um, Angela says, "Are you?" Angela says, "You're not going to tell me where you're taking me. I want my phone back. Uh, I have multiple copies of all the files, and they just don't look even the least bit concerned about this. They just turn up the radio to drown her out. Right? She's all like, "People are going to know I'm missing, and they don't care." So this, Jamie, this scene happens suspiciously close to Elliot talking about his dream and going into lucid dreaming and all that. Do you think this is all real with Angela? Well, it's weird. I don't know. I mean, it just, it doesn't seem possible that it could be completely real, you know, because of the little girl and the whole thing. So I, I don't know. And, you know, even when they get, when they arrive at the house, that whole place seems like really beautiful and very um, pristine, you know. But when she's walking down the hallway and they have the, the photographs, the framed photographs of the family, uh, presum- presumably, that inhabits the house, their faces are like covered with like splotches of paint. Like, did you notice that? Yeah, they're blacked out. Well, they're, they're redded and yellowed out. It's weird. I mean, blacked out, like edited, like, like, like somebody smoothed over them. Yeah. Like somebody took a little paintbrush and just went like, whoop, like over their faces. Yeah. That's pretty normal. (laughs) You know, relatives get on your shit list. You got to black them out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Jamie, have you heard any of the theories about, uh, you know, everybody calls Dominique DDP, Mm. Dominique Del Piero, but, or De Piero. But mm-hmm. they're calling this new theory they're trying to ship is DDDP, Darlene and Dominic DiPiero. Oh, I don't know about that. This has probably got started in Game of Thrones, the R plus L equals J. But the DDDP is somehow that Dominique and Darlene are going to get hooked together. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, we, well, we don't need to go into that little rabbit hole yet. DDP is okay. She's, her hair is messed up, but she looks okay. She's got some condiment sprayed on her. Looks like ketchup and mustard. Yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe a few scratches. She's getting checked out at the hospital, and she wants to get right back to the crime scene. She wants to get Comey involved. Uh, one of our listeners cleared us up on who Comey was. Uh, you know, in the, 
was the director of the FBI, I guess. You know, that actually that is it's it makes me laugh a little bit because it's something like I should know. I know this guy's name. I recognize it like in real life. But my suspension of reality, I think, is so complete when I'm watching this show that it did not even occur to me that this was a real person. Yeah, and they've used a lot of real governmental names in this. Yeah, and I love that about this show because most shows don't do that. Like, they won't refer to actual people in the government, but this show does, and I love it. Yeah, the only thing I don't like is the Comey Colby. Get, get, put a little distance in the names there. <laughs> so Dominique wants to jump right back into the crime scene, and Doctor says she's in shock. Uh, Santiago's there, and he has the police guard leave the room, uh, and it tells her... Or Dominique, I guess, tells him, this is your fault. I told you not to release the sketch. Dark Army's involved, and we need everything on lockdown. It's national security. Yep. So Santiago says the timing's really weird, especially right on the heels of the $2 trillion no-interest loan to E-Corp. So Dominique says, we have to tell them what's up. We have to let everybody know what's going on. And Santiago says, this is the miracle the world's been waiting for. Just go rest. So he's not worried. He thinks that the loan is going to smooth everything over. Unless he's just being sarcastic here. No, I, I don't think he's being sarcastic. I think he's being one of those people who stands in the way of getting stuff done. He's like, he's a bureaucrat. Do you think this was the whole plot, Jamie, the whole time? Create chaos, get reason for money to get into E-Corp, uh, to get the Dark Army what they really want. So it's a big big huge transaction that smooths over the money problem create the money problem smooth it over but the cost of smoothing it over is you got in bed with dark army i don't know i I don't know you know because you have to think of it from the point of view of white rose and dark army right so the whole thing is kind of you know what it what is it what what do they get from any of this. And so what we found out like two episodes ago is that whatever it is that white Rose is doing, whatever experimentation or, or whatever it is that, that white Rose is doing at that, uh, water treatment plant, that's what white Rose is getting out of this. That's what dark army is getting out of this. And, so how does that figure into the bailout? Now, if we look at it from what we know, like what we've actually witnessed, we've seen that Price wanted the bailout and was threatened by White Rose and didn't really give a crap about White Rose's threat. And so... You know, I guess white. we can assume that White Rose bailed him out um, because that's what he wanted and that he's going to keep White Rose's secret or, you know, keep um, him, her, you know, in, in control of the um, waste treatment or the water treatment plant, right? But that's all we know. Like... Well, what about the Congo? What about the ambassador ceding the Congo to China? They're oh, yeah. So I don't know how that figures into to anything. 
Do we know anything? It's got to be. That? Well, we got to figure it out. We got to use our little thinking caps here. It's got to be like this: the heavy metal mining or something that the Congo is known for. That the, all these ingredients in this soup that White Rose wants to brew up are coming from all these things, right? I think the nuclear plant, the heavy water, the contaminants from that, the Congo's mining capabilities. He, all this debt that had to be helped out by the dark army in China is getting them stuff. It's getting them, getting them these things that they couldn't normally have. And right. so I think that's part of this transaction. And, and I also think it's not something that like something went wrong. And now this is like a last resort because otherwise, why would Price and White Rose have had a meeting at the end of the first season? You know, Price asked for the money from the government and gets turned down. So that kind of went wrong out of, out, of, out of his plans. But I think somehow this is on this is a long play plan that White Rose and Price have had for two seasons now. OK. Well, I mean, wouldn't you think so? Because it's because it's he was plotting with her at the end of season one. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. So here's what here's what Dominique is saying when she's talking to that guy when she's in the hospital, she says like, um, like there, she's talking to the guy. Um, I think the guy tells her like, I agree with you. Something goes, is going on. And then, um, we can't just go off on everyone without knowing all the facts. What's the $2 trillion this morning? The U S got back in bed with China, China bailed out E Corp gave them two trillion. No, no interest loan unprecedented. It's a trap, right? So, I mean, and they're saying it's a matter of national security and it, and it's no longer a terrorist attack. It could be an act of war. So I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's the level it's at, I think. Dominique is onto this, and she's trying to warn the government, and this Santiago dude's like, well, I guess it is a little weird, especially in light of the $2, two trillion loan. Like, he's, he's shuffling along. She's trying to, like, raise everybody's hackles about this. Like, this is a big deal. There's, this is national security. They're up to something. We have to tell, we have to raise the alarms on this. Right. Right. Um, though, although about what is interesting and mysterious still, which I guess is okay. But I, I think it's that create chaos to get the reason to get the money that E Corp needs. And in exchange, Dark Army gets what they need, which appears to be whatever the Congo has and whatever this nuclear w water treatment plant is producing. So but did, you remember what like and I guess we'll talk to we'll talk about it when we get to it. But what um what White Rose says to Angela is interesting. And I think that holds a lot of clues about what we may be trying to figure out, too. Okay. okay. All right, so we get to the credits at this point. After the credits, Angela's van that she's captive in, driving along to the tunes of Davy Crockett. Right. Um, the old Davy Crockett TV show. And now it's daytime, so it drives into a garage. There are two people... The two people from the train, I guess, are the two people commandeering this, her in this van. Right. Uh, and inside this house is totally white. And this is the house with the, the pictures blacked out. They show Angela a, into a dark room with the fish. People are saying, oh, is that QWERTY all grown up? QWERTY the little goldfish? <laughs> right. Can't be, though. That's, a, some, that's some giant carp of a fish. Yeah, it's weird, weird fish. And then also, like, 
when they opened the door, like when they were in the hallway and they opened the door to that room and Angela was just like, they were all still in the hallway and she's looking in there. There was light shining out of that room, like onto the hallway wall that made it look like the room was bright. Like it was a regular room, um, you know, that had like windows in it or whatever. And then when you walk in and it's totally dark, it was weird because that wasn't the way that the lighting was actually set up for that. Um, originally from the hallway well in that room are some weird things jamie mm -hmm. commodore 64 computer that's right hang in there a cat poster mm -hmm. uh and a little girl now this looks like it's supposed to be angela's little girl room recreated like her cat affirmation she probably had the commodore computer and the little girl looks like angela as a little girl and the little girl starts typing and says to her we don't have much time there's water leaking out of the fish tank let's get started it was it remind, reminded me of like the wizard of oz with the sand in the hourglass we don't have much time we have to get it done before the sand runs out um it's interesting that you say that um because you're thinking wizard of oz and i was thinking wonderland i actually wrote about that on um the on the blog on the website about how it just seems like everything is surreal, like a different reality. Are you getting tired of these little snippets of analogy to, to metaphors and references to history and other art and literature, and, or is it still working for you? Um, all right. So I'm tired of a lot that's going on this season. Um, I, I've, I've, you know, at this point, I'm just kind of like along for the ride. But a lot of this has gone like way too far off um, the ledge for me. And it could just be the fact that I'm really busy and I don't have a lot of time to go and look, you know, go down all of the different um, threads that uh, that get laid out for us. Um, you know, I, I think it's really fascinating. And if I didn't have a full time job, I, I would probably be way more into this stuff. Um, and I'd probably be posting a lot on Reddit and, you know, and that kind of thing, but it's a little bit too much for me because it's really rich. It's really got like, there's a lot there for us to get absorbed in. And I actually wrote about that on, um, wish I said that shit, uh, this week about how, you know, you could look at it from so many different levels like you can look at it from a really superficial sort of you know 75,000 um foot you know level where you're just about like what's going on is you know Angela going to find out the truth kind of stuff and um, you could look at it from sort of a medium depth um or you could look at it from the level that you know these the folks who are like you know watching so carefully that they know to go and log on um, to the Who is Mr. Robot website and do the Commodore 64 typing along with the little girl while the episode is playing, you know, for their first watch, you know? Another good reason to keep both episodes of this Python that, that are split together because they ask a lot of interesting, mysterious stuff, and it would be good to just see it get answered right away. You know, we're going to have to remember yeah, right. a lot of like a week later. You're right. Because it is kind of rich. It is hard to remember all this crap. Yeah. So here's some of the crap, Jamie. A bunch of questions. Uh, and, and 
it, it, okay, first of all, it shows the screen the little girl so got on her on her Commodore. She searches in Blue Book and Green Book and the land of Icadelia are the are the files on this computer that she has. And she starts ripping off these questions for Angela. Have you ever cried during sex? Like what what's this coming from this twelve year old girl, you know? Right. Angela just says, Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the girl says, If you don't answer, I'll be punished. They'll beat me they beat me. They'll beat me. Mm-hmm. And shows her her back with the bruises. Right. Uh, then the phone rings and the little girl answers. And she just turns to Angela and says, our time is running out and repeats the question. And Angela's like, I guess, moved a little bit by this torture this girl's going through. It starts to answer and says, no. Have you ever fantasized about murdering your father? No. Are you a giraffe or a seagull? These are just odd, really crazy questions. <laughs> yeah. So we jump we jump to the next scene with Price and the Secretary of the Treasury, Jack. I don't know his last name. Can't remember his last name. And he he wants him to roll out e-coin loans, so the dollar essentially is replaced now by e-coins. The dollar economy is now an e-coin economy if they do this. Right, and yeah, and he doesn't want it to be Bitcoin. He wants it to be e-coin. E-corpse money, right? Right, because Bitcoin, he said, I think is owned by the Chinese or something. And and so if we have it be e-coin, it's good for e-corp, but it's supposedly like also good for America. Yeah. So this is pretty interesting because they on Reddit they also talk about fiat money. Have you ever heard of that fiat, like the car fiat money? No. Uh, Wikipedia tells us that the value of fiat money is derived from the relationship between the supply and demand of goods and services rather than the value of the material that the money is made of. Oh, okay. Like mm-hmm. gold coins are valuable in and of themselves, but fiat money, a dollar bill, is worth nothing. It's just a crappy piece of paper. Huh. And e-coin e or bitcoin is the purest type of fiat because it's nothing. It's just n- data. Not right. even anything anywhere. It's just a it's a record record of something. Uh huh. It's a bit. That's um, so this guy Jack, Secretary of Treasury, doesn't want to do it. Uh, he doesn't want to do it because it avoids regulations and Price and him go back and forth. He Price says the problem is that cash is fading and Bitcoin's taking over. Uh, Bitcoin taking over will cause a world of hell. It's unregulated. And has reached transaction volume max. I guess this is the argument. And and it's controlled by the Chinese miners. With eCoin, we will be the we'll control the ledgers and we can rebuild the banking sector. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Bitcoin bad, eCoin good, and that's why. Because eCoin is controlled by the good guys in Price's eyes, him. And Bitcoin is controlled by the Chinese. Right. Um so Jack says the president will laugh in my face. He doesn't really argue why the reason not to do it, other than the fact that he'll get in trouble for bringing it up to the president. You know, that's his big worry. He'll get in trouble for bringing it up. The president will laugh in my face if I ask him this. <laughs> well, Price says we'll regulate the shit out of it. Just don't shut it down. This was always the future. Five nine just accelerated it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was interesting because I, I think that's possible. Yeah, so that's why I'm asking. Like, Price knew that 5.9 would make this happen, accelerated it. 
that didn't just happen as and and then you know white rose is all fascinated with nothing's an accident everything's planned don't ever accuse me of being a, the the lucky recipient of the results of an accident mm. i don't know i just think this has all been kind of planned so Price leaves this with, I don't give a shit about you. Defeat can still be profitable. Uh, I guess Jack asked him, how long have you been plotting against me? And Price says, I don't give a shit about you. Defeat can still be profitable. He's looking for profit. Yeah, right. He's, yeah, like, it, like the, the whole thing that's happened, I guess that's where our moment to know that, you know, he's he wasn't, it's like instead of going, instead of taking that thought that, you know, that maybe, oh, maybe he's behind, you know, some of this or he knew it would happen or something. You know, maybe that's not what we should be thinking. Maybe we should be, you know, just, you know, knowing that this is a defeat for him, but that he can still make some money. Yeah. Well, let's. OK, so back to Angela and the girl. Let's not try to figure out all these mysteries because we may we may know them next week and it'd be silly to speculate what they all are. Mm -hmm. And they may mean nothing too. I mean, who knows? But they do, uh, she asked her some more questions about p what color she's, Angela says she's purple. Uh, the girl says, is the key in the room? Angela says, what do you mean? She just, this girl repeats and repeats and the phone rings and the girl answers it and hands the phone over to Angela. And we hear a computerized voice say, you're standing in a dark room, there's a torch and a match, what do you do? Angela says, I light the torch. The questions go on and on. Uh, they, they lead her to think in more detailed answers, I guess. And I, Jamie, I thought this phone resembled the prison phone that Elliot's mother's apartment had. The red phone on the wall. Oh, huh. This was the desktop version of it, but it was the exact same red dial, uh, rotary dial phone, but the That's desktop kind of, version. That's really, it's weird that they have those red phones this season. And the girl just continues asking questions. Angela notices uh, Vladimir Nabokov's novel Lolita on the table. This We've talked about this before, right? Uh, Nabokov? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't remember. Or what was the other novel we were talking about a couple episodes ago? I thought it was Lolita. Uh, I don't remember. Sorry, Mike. All right, Angela's now freely offering information, even before the girl asks. Um, the girl takes the floppy drive out and leaves and she says, I'll be back with results, with your results. Uh, so we leave that scene and jump to Dominique. Now at her apartment, she's cleaning up. She shuts the curtains and tries to go to sleep. And now she has a weird conversation. So a couple yeah. of weird scenes of conversational stuff in a row here. Right. Starts off reasonably well with her asking Alexa to wake her up at some time. And uh, she calls Alexa a dumb bitch and asks if they're friends and then asks her her favorite color. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Alexa says infrared is her favorite color. Yeah, infrared's really beautiful or something like that. Yeah. Dominique asks if she has a boyfriend. I'm not the dating kind. Dominique says me either. Uh, Alexa asks her if she's happy, and Alexa says, I'm happy when I'm helping you. Uh, Dominique probes a little bit more. Are you alone? I don't understand the question. Do you love me? I'm not capable. And Dominique finally gets fed up and just says, yeah, whatever, good night. <laughs> well, okay, so, you know, there's a lot to that conversation, 
there's a lot to that conversation. I thought it was really um, so well written and very, very well acted. Um, it, it was painfully vulnerable, I think. Um, you know, because the questions that she asks, you know, she says, Alexa, are you happy? Then Alexa gives her her, you know, pre-programmed answer. And um, she says, Alexa, do you love me? And Alexa answers and says, that's not the kind of thing I'm capable of. And this just destroys Dominique. Like she was already um, in a terrible space. And this answer just kind of brings home, you know, the thing that she has struggled with the entire season since we were introduced to her, which is, you know, her loneliness and her um, isolation. Right. All of these questions by Dominique are representative of voids in her, in her needs, things she, or they're not voids in her needs. They are her needs. You know, all the stuff about her, her emptiness. It is, it is pretty profound. Yeah. All right. Well, that goes right up to a commercial. We come back to a, a completely dark scene and it's Angela and, and, uh, white Rose and she wants to leave to leave. She wants to leave. And she says, no, you've waited so long to know I've want, I've allowed allotted 28 minutes for this conversation. Right. And, uh, she says, you've been here four hours and you didn't think to leave. And Angela says, well, the door was locked. And she says the well doors are fascinating only until you open them. Do you realize their potential? And a lock stopped you from all of that? How lazy. Yes, I, I, I love that. Um, she says they hold, they, they hold the entry to unlimited imagination. Before you open any door, a world filled with possibilities sits right behind it. And it isn't until you open it that they are realized. And then she says such potential they bring to our minds <laughs> and yet a lock stopped you from all that. How lazy. You think the door was unlocked the whole time is the implication? Like all you had to do is try it? You didn't try no. it? No, 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 no. It wasn't. It was locked because she did try it. Um, she tried it and she couldn't get out because it was locked, but she didn't like break it down. And I guess that's like, that's White Rose's disappointment. Like, why would, how could you let a lock stop you? It makes you a lazy person. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So the fish in the background is dead. I guess the tank's out of water. Right. I didn't notice the water going, but I guess that's why the fish was on the bottom of the tank. Right. That yeah, that was something that came up in the beginning. Like it, it like in the beginning of the um that that like the first time we went to that room, um it said something like like the little girl said something like the tank is leaking or that tank is losing water. Yeah, we talked about that. I made the same analogy with the uh, sands in the hourglass of Wizard of Oz. Oh, okay. So what, what was it? Okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Time's running out and, and it's physically manifested by sh- water leaking out of the tank. Yeah. All right. So Angela says your fish died. <laughs> the obvious right. childish little thing, like a little girl, almost your fish died. Uh, white rose says, I know. And sh- Angela says, you're a terrible person. You hurt that little girl. And... White Rose says, makeup. Yeah, it was all a test. Empathy or gullibility, take your pick. What the hell? Right. Yeah. Makeup was a test. Makeup the girl wasn't hurt. If she was just 
shown to you as being hurt. Right. And that's, see, that was a manipulation. Like, like what Rose calls it a test. It was part of the test. Right. And I would have taken it as a manipulation. White Rose says empathy or gullibility, take your pick. And Angela's like, test, why were you testing me? And White Rose says, I know you have sensitive information and I don't want you to release it. You know, and then the whole thing about normally you'd be dead by now. Yeah, normally my associates would have murdered you yeah. uh, 90, 90 days ago, but you stuck around past your expiration. Yeah. God, she's such a, got such creepy ways of framing things and talking to people. Yeah. Like fascinatingly creepy. And so Angela's like, who are you? And Dark Rose or White Rose, I'm a woman of the time. I'm a woman of time who doesn't believe in accidents. You are annoying. You are an annoying penny who keeps turning up. Why are you so special to Philip Price? I want to understand this meeting. You and I have an event in common. And Angela says, she says, that's why I wanted to meet. So I could find out why you're so special to Philip Price. Almost like I wanted to see your face before I got rid of you, little girl. Um, well, I think white rose is like, what the fuck? Because he says, he's like, He's ruining our partnership, and somehow it seems that you're the motivation. Like, he's like, okay, so, you know, like, what's the deal with you, Angela, you annoying penny that keeps turning up? You're ruining my situation, and, you know, Philip Price is, you're the reason Philip Price is ruining this for me, so I got to find out, you know, like, what your deal is. What power do you have over Philip Price? Basically. As meddling into our dealings. Mm-hmm. So Angela says, what event is it that we have in common? And White Rose says, you and Elliot Alderson and Washington Township so many years ago. Mm-hmm. Angela says, why, Elliot, do you know him? And White Rose says, if I told you that your mother and Elliot's father died for a reason, would that make a difference? That they were a trade for greater good. They gave their lives for humanity. And you are at the intersection of it all. I will prove to you why you need to drop this mission. Right. So he says that they gave their lives to take humanity to the next level and that both of them, like Elliot and Angela, are here today because of that event. Oh, no, that they're both who they are today because of that event and um, that he, he was saying like Angela would be a different person, that she wouldn't be sitting there right now. If not for that event. And White Rose has plans for her other than just killing her because she says, I'll prove to you why you need to drop this mission. Because mm-hmm. I guess if she just kills her, that'll that'll still leave things kind of messed up with Price and she needs Price. But um, I don't know. I mean, who knows? Angela says, I'll just give you the jump drive. Like, let's let's and <laughs> I'll just give you the jump. I'll give you whatever the hell you want. I'll give you the damn jump drive. And White Rose says, fear. What a quicksand of time people let that become. Your revenge will encourage you to keep trying to shut down my project. I don't want your proof. I want your belief. So more mystery here. Angela says, belief in what? And White Rose stands and walks away and says, do you ever think I imagine, do you, do you ever think if you imagine something, it could all come true? 
And Angela says, yes, but it's not the real world. And White Rose says, it depends on your definition of real. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole mystery spun in there that could take hours to unravel. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um Well put, Mike. Um All right, Elliot, we hear him whispering his mind awake, body sleep, mind awake, body sleep. Mr. Robot's in the room. Elliot mm -hmm. wonders how long he's been asleep for and thinks to us, Can he see us? Now I'm the silent observer like you, like him, like you. Meaning the audience and him are the silent observer. Mm-hmm. And Jamie, there's an ad for the Red Wheel Barrel Barbecue. Which I guess was in that room where he told us to look for clues. Right. And Elliot says, this is a cipher message where each letter is a number or each number is a letter. Mm -hmm. uh, someone, someone is trying to make contact. That's why he came home. And Mr. Robot's typing it out. Uh, G-U-R, he's typing all this stuff. The ROT13 algorithm. And they look up all the stuff on Google or whatever and they, they get these codes from the internet. Right. Yeah, and that's just like, like, um, like, code translation, like numbers, like, like hexadecimal stuff or base, um, sixty-four stuff or whatever, like that's all just like, like algorithm type stuff for coding. And rot thirteen is really simple, right? Like it's like one is an A, one is rot thirteen means it's one plus thirteen. It's whatever that is the. 14th letter instead of the first letter. Right. Like M shift, or something. A shift value, yeah. So they decode it and they there's more there's more there but they're figuring it all out that essentially it's it's somebody's somebody's message and Mr. Robot just wonders where are you? Um, they pour over this code until it reveals a phone number and Mr. Robot calls that phone number. Right. And so they get um, an uh, an address. They end up they end up with an address. Dial the number, and then it's a recording that says twenty fifth and sixth, right? Or twenty fifth and eighth. Yeah, eighth. I think. Yeah. There, there'll be a cab waiting. Mm -hmm. So Mr. That part I loved actually that that whole figure it out thing I loved. Mr. Robot wondering where are you? Is he wondering about Tyrell? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Who then? Um, whoever it was that was sending the message, I think. I don't know that he was speaking specifically about anyone. Well, why didn't he ask, who are you then? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> didn't he tell Elliot you shot him? You took the gun and shot him with the popcorn machine gun? Yeah. So he wouldn't be... He wouldn't be wondering where he is if he knows Elliot shot him. Right. So it's, it's, yeah, it's weird. So they get that message. Mr. Robot turns around and Elliot's gone now. He appears to leave on his own. Mm -hmm. Whatever on his own is, is possible because he's both of these guys. Exactly. Man, if you tried to tell somebody about this show... Oh, you're going to love this show. It's got this guy. He's got this other guy inside him. And there might be a third guy in there. We're not sure yet. And they're looking for that third <laughs> guy. Although we we're not, maybe not sure it's that third guy. It might be a different guy. But the second guy won't make it clear to the first imaginary guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, think, <laughs> thankfully, we get a commercial. 
and come back. And Elliot's on the streets. He's looking for Mr. Robot. We can't lose him. I think he means we can't lose Mr. Robot. I think so. <laughs> I don't know how he could lose him, but um, if he knows he is him, then what's the point of all this concern? I mean, that's you could throw that into your description of the show to your friend you're trying to sell on watching it, but... <laughs> um, He's in the he's in some sort of odd F society like uh like some tent city of par- of barter people people seeking con ed bills and living on the streets and trying to make a living and survive and I guess it's not really F society it's more like uh what I don't know regular society and the results of the of the hack right just people on the streets Mhm so there's news on a TV now at Angela's lawyer's house. Ecoin is soaring as Ecorp has loaned it out and actually put this plan into play. Price's plan is working. Uh, and Angela says, forget about that voicemail I left you. And her lawyer asks, are you in danger? She says, no. The lawyer says, something's wrong. And Angela's, Angela's just trying to cut ties and end everything she's got started here. She just hugs her and says quietly, don't call me anymore. Mm-hmm. She's trying to bail out. She's trying to get out of this, right? Well, I think she... I Well, now, I, I think that, that Angela is obligated to do this because White Rose said that Angela has information that White Rose doesn't want to get out and that um, she was basically wanting to meet with Angela to convince her not to to turn her into a believer, to make her not um, want to release this information. And I guess this is a result of the meeting with White Rose. Like, I think White Rose wants to make sure that Angela is not sharing whatever she knows with even her attorney. Right. So Angela's little path, her little girl path, has been sweet little girl, then F Society, friend of F Society members, then employee of E-Corps, and now ally of Dark Army? <laughs> I guess. All right, tack that onto the description to your friend you're trying to convince to watch the show. Okay. See what they say. <laughs> All right, Elliot's look, still looking for Mr. Robot, and then he remembers, wait a minute, he is me, I is him. Uh, <laughs> where am I going? And he opens the cab van door. He's, he jumps into a cab. So some Arabic-speaking guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Elliot, are you Elliot? His Arabic was good too. Uh, and the van guy says address. Elliot says, I don't know. And then Tyrell gets in the van and says chambers and church, or he's already in the van. I can't tell. Uh, uh-uh, uh, no, he gets in. He get Tyrell just gets in like from the street. So, Jamie, now what do you think of Tyrell living in Elliot's mind or a real guy surviving alive somewhere? Hell if I know. I, I, I'm having a hard time believing that Tyrell is dead. And so I think he's alive. I don't know what the hell. I was happy to see him, even though he's like slimeball. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I would like to believe that Tyrell is alive. So just for fun, just for more Reddit fun, just like they're shipping Darlene and DDP as DDDP, mm. Tyrell in Elliot's head is Tyrelliot. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, but Elliot's uh, imploring the assistance of the cab driver. Do you see him? Cabby just kind of laughs and scoffs like, oh, another crazy passenger. 
and yeah. kind of forces them out on the street. Get, get out of my cab, crazy guy. So, so what he says, what Elliot says is, he says, we have to be careful now. This is no longer a question of what I'm seeing. We know that's not reliable. This is the real question is, what am I not seeing? And so, you know, we know there's like a whole shitload of stuff that this dude is not seeing. Like he definitely doesn't have a clear view of reality, right? Like there's just, there's so much there that he has no clue. Like he doesn't know what's happened with Darlene, you know, or with Cisco. He doesn't know what's happened with Angela. You know, like he doesn't, there's so much there that he has no clue, like what's going on. He doesn't know the whole thing that's going on with White Rose, even though he's got this stage two thing going, right? He doesn't, there's so much he doesn't see and he I doesn't know. know. It's like a memento, <laughs> except he doesn't have the notes scribbled on his arm. Right, he's tattooed. like, he does, he's looking for himself on the street and oh, well, wait a minute, I am me. Where am I going? Oh, I don't remember what's it's it's fucked, man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know if it's Tyrell in the flesh and blood or Tyrell living in Elliot's mind. I'm, I'd be inclined to think it's in his head. Uh, yeah, I, I would, too, except where are the clues coming from? Like what the stuff that Joanna's getting, you know, delivered to her. Where, where is that coming from? Uh, I don't know. New Dark Army's. Um, Plan three, stage three. I don't know. Uh, so they're out on the street now, and Elliot and Tyrell are arguing. Tyrell says, let's go. We're close. Dark Army told me stage two is ready. You'll be pleased. It worked. And it's up to us now. Let me show you. And then Earth Angel starts to play faintly in the background. Yeah. And Tyrell says, Casablanca style, Bogart style. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> and Python part part one ends. Yeah. Hi, Jamie. I don't know what else to say, except for where the hell's Python part two and we can see some of these answers hopefully. They can't leave they can't leave this as insane as it is going into season three. Yeah, I really hope that a lot of this stuff that we get some major answers before the season ends. Like, I, I really think it's important, um, you know, that we that we clear up a lot, um, you know, maybe leave us with some questions, but don't don't leave us with all the questions. Um, and tonight is Emmy night. So, you know, hopefully Mr. Robot will walk away with arms full um, of awards and a few of our other programs that we podcast about are also up for uh, grabs. I got to Oh, I got, I don't know if you, um, if you got that, the Twitter thing I sent you the, I sent you a, a DM with a uh, Costa Ronan's uh, like, he liked my uh, little encouraging message that I tweeted today for the Americans for Emmys. Oh, he's told me he liked you before. It's no, that's no news. <laughs> Of course, Costa Ronan is Oleg and Jamie's boyfriend on The Americans. <laughs> commie, right. commie lover. So, all right, so I like I like Stan and I like Oleg, so I like both of them. Well, that's going to be a nice three-way relationship: <laughs> an American, a commie, and an American girl. 
So I'm hoping that um, all of our shows um, walk home with awards tonight. But I'm really, I have to say, even though we're talking about Mr. Robot right now, I'm really, really, really pulling for the Americans. I, I think that show is the best thing on television, honestly. And, um, you know, followed shortly, of course, um, in short order by Mr. Robot and Halt and Catch Fire and all the other great stuff that um, we podcast about. Um, Better Call on- Saul, The Affair. Yep. Everything the slap. That- Don't forget the slap. <laughs> the slap. Everything that West Coast Project does is fantastic. And um, you're fantastic, Mike. And so I'm hoping that um, we, we get our Emmy dreams tonight. Are we up for anything? We are not up for anything tonight, Mike. All right, Jamie, all I want is, all I want, I don't need no damn awards. All I want is Python Part 2 to answer some of this crap. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for a nice, easy podcast so I can cruise through and not rack my brain over. Right, end up with a headache and need a nap afterward. <laughs> yeah, better call Saul. Come on, man. Right. <laughs> give, me a, give me a drop and flop scam. <laughs> Twins on a skateboard in front of a station wagon. Something easy. <laughs> All right, so what do you say, Mike? What do you say we do like a podcast this week at some point and talk about the results of the Emmys? Do you think we could pull Michelle in on it? Uh, we can barely find time to do this. Yeah, I know, I know. But during the week, I should be good. If you can get Michelle coordinated, I'll do my best to join in. All right. All right, Jamie. So until Python Part 2, that's it for Episode 11. And I'll see you next week. All right, cool. Shit, I wish I said, wish I said that shit.com and word girly and at scathing tweets for Twitter. That's right. Anything else? Nothing else. All right, Jamie, red or purple? Just final question. Purple. Absolutely purple. All right, Marie. (laughs) I'd pick red just to be different. (laughs) Later, man. Bye. Bye.